Uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. We're going to try to finish up what we, what we started last week. Uh, most of y'all seen the, the new outlines out there. It's the same outline as last week, except we, I just left the blank or the, the answers in the part we finished last week. So that's what that's all about. If you still have yours from last week, it'll work for this week. Now, how many of you, how many of you this week had a rough week? <clears throat> raise your hand. Raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand. Rough week. All right. Uh, uh, how many of y'all had a great week this week? I don't want to hear it. Hey, it was rough, but it was great. Don't cheat, bro. Come on now, brother John. Uh, it seems like it seems like. Hey, that's, I like a I like a, a pessimistic optimist. Amen. Uh, I I today it seems like Satan has tried everything he can to fight today. Uh, maybe I, th- today I woke up late. Uh, in the last, in the last eight years, I have, I have not woke up late. I've always had my alarm on, on especially Sunday morning. And man, it seems like I have been scrambling off. When you wake up late, everything seems to be late. Say amen. But that's okay. That's okay. We're going to shake it off. Shake it off. Shake. Look at your name. Tell him, shake it off. Shake it off. Listen, we're, we're going to get what we came to get this morning. Matter of fact, I wanted to get to this part last week, uh, but we didn't get a chance to. Uh, I, I need some encouragement. How about y'all? Well, this whole message is about encouragement. Amen. Inspiration, motivation, and hopefully, hopefully we'll be. I said, Lord, the last six or seven weeks, you've been kind of rough on us now. I mean, I mean, it's been really intense and convicting and all that. I need a little pep rally. Say, man. And so I think we've, I think we've got what we need this morning. Hebrews chapter number 12. We learned last week that this Christian life we're in, it's a race. It's a race. Not only is it a race, it's a marathon. It's not a 40 yard dash. It's a, it's a, it's a race of endurance. It's not a race of speed. It's a race of endurance. It's a race of patience. Uh, we're, it, 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 if, if, if it's the Christian life, you would rather be the tortoise than the hare. Are y'all with me? We got to go through this thing patiently and endure. And so how are we going to run that race without getting weary, without getting weary? There'll be times in your life that you'll be, you'll have a tendency to get tired, not physically tired. You can take a nap for that. But I'm talking about mentally tired, tired in your spirit where you just feel like you want to quit and you want to give up. And and uh, this is who he is dealing with. He is dealing with uh, new Christians who are, are who are being threatened, who are being persecuted, and they are really being tempted to give up. And he said, you got to be careful or you're going to become faint in the race. And he tells us what to do about it. So if you're ready to finish up, say amen. Verse number one, Hebrews 12, verse number one, wherefore, keep in mind, keep in mind, we're going to come back to this today. When you see wherefore or therefore, you got to go back to what was there before it to know why he's saying what he's saying now. So we're going to, we're going to peek into chapter number 11 here in a minute. Okay. So because of what he said in chapter number 11, he says this in chapter number 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of what? Witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, amen. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider him, ponder him, think about him, get your focus on him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not resisted unto blood striving against sin. In other words, you haven't gone through what he's gone through. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for everybody that's here. Thank you for all of our family out there at Fairview. Lord, thank you for those who are tuning in online. And Lord, we are, we are all come to gather around the table this morning. We're coming to eat spiritual bread. Lord, we pray that you will feed us now. 
I pray that you will encourage us now. I pray that you'll help us now. Uh, Lord, this race is getting wearisome. It's getting difficult. It's getting tiresome. But Lord, I know we can keep running. Lord, I know we can be energized. I know we can be inspired and motivated this morning through your word. And I pray that you'll help us today. Give us what we stand in need of. You know how desperately I need you. You know how much I need the unction and glory now. Give me the ability to speak, Lord, as it's coming from the Lord. I pray that you don't let me say anything I shouldn't and don't let me forget anything I should. And Lord, we'll praise you and thank you and give you the glory and the honor and the praise for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Last week we learned, and just, just by way of a brief, brief review from last week, one thing we learned that this is a race. Another is that this is a marathon. It's a long distance deal. It is a patient race. It's a race of endurance and patience. And one of the things that we have to understand that we're not going to be able to run this race with a backpack on. Are y'all with me? How many of y'all have ever seen a marathon runner? How many of y'all have ever seen a good one? A good one. A good one looks like he needs a cheeseburger in the worst kind of way. Are y'all with me? I mean, he's a slender fella. He is a slender fella. Not only that, when they run the race, they got the minimum, a minimum amount of clothes on. Are y'all with me? Why? They don't need any extra weight, any extra weight. And we learned last week that a weight can be something good. It can be something neutral. There's nothing wrong with fishing. But if I focus on fishing and not on the Lord, I can get weighted down. If I focus on a, a hobby, it can become idolatry. If I focus on things and, and allow things to crowd my mind and, 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 and spend more time on my schedule. We talked about this last week. Y'all remember we can, we can fill our schedules every day, every week with stuff that may not be bad stuff. It may not be sinful stuff, but it's stuff and it's stuff that's in the backpack. It's still stuff we have to do. It's still appointments we have to keep. It's still schedules we have to do. And when we are so scheduled out, we don't have time for God. We get weary. So we learned last week, we're going to start saying no. Let's practice everybody. You ready? Say it with me. No. 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 Not only. No, I'm not. No. Sometimes we think it's the end of the world to say no. And I know my wife's over there shaking her head right now. She said, well, you're one to talk, preacher. I know how hard it is to say I don't like saying no. I don't want to say no. But you know what I've learned? The more I say it, the easier it gets. And the more I realize that what somebody thinks about me because I said no is none of my business. Let me say that again. What someone else thinks about me because I said no, it ain't none of my business. That's on them. The only one that you have to please is the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. I have to tell myself in the mirror. I got a big mirror right in front of my desk. And when I say that, it's none of my business what somebody else thinks. It's none of my business that somebody else gets bent out of shape because I'm trying to make sure I can finish this race. So I have to start being able to say, no, we can't do that. No, I can't go to this. No, I can't participate in this because I have to make sure that I'm running my race. Let's lay aside the weight. Let us lay aside the sin. Boy, when sin's in the backpack, it's heavier than the weight. I don't know about y'all, but running the Christian life with unconfessed, unrepentant sin, it's hard. It's difficult. It's hard to run with a guilty conscience. See how quiet it is? 
You know why it's so quiet? Because you know. You know. The righteous are bold as a lion, but the wicked flee when no man pursueth. He's constantly. Man, you can't, you can't live like that. Listen, let us lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. It trips us up so easily. And then he says this. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Now, here's where I want to get to today. Once we've prepared for the race, say that with me. Once we have prepared, how do we prepare? By thinning our schedule, by saying no, by by laying aside the weights and the things that's been interfering with our Christian walk and interfering with our Christian life. If our schedule is so busy that we don't have time to pray, we don't have to time, we don't have time to serve him in some capacity. We don't have time to spend with intimate time with Christ. If that's the case, we need to slim it down because he's first. I've learned this. I've learned this. And I don't mean to keep going back to last week, but I just need this as a reminder. The problem is not we don't have enough time. The problem is, is you need to reprioritize your time. You need to start with him first. And then let whatever come what may. He is, come on everybody, he is first, first. So we put that, that's how we prepare. Now we're in the race. Now we're running. We have shed as much weight as we can. We have confessed sin. We have, we have a clear conscience with Christ and we're running our race and we are serving and we are witnessing to others and we are doing everything we can to have a good conscience with God and to be pleasing to God in our race. We're living our life. We're walking the Christian walk and, and we still get weary. So what do we need? We need some motivation. We need somebody cheering We need somebody on our side. We need somebody, watch this now, we need somebody that's been there. Watch this, look at the first part, look at the first part. First verse, first verse, y'all there? First verse, verse one, uno. Verse one, wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of what? Witnesses. Witnesses. Now, I have, I've been, y'all know I've been in church my whole life. It's all I've ever known. And I've heard preacher after preacher after preacher and, and good ones and bad ones and them in between. And I've heard this preach before that, listen, listen, heaven is like a stadium. There are all of these people. And it's talking about the ones in chapter number 11. That's who these witnesses are. All the heroes of the faith. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 11 has been called the, the faith hall of fame. It's all the ones that did great things and accomplished great things and did, did, did great feats through faith in chapter 11. And he said, these are a great cloud of witnesses. And then, and then, and I've heard this, it's like a stadium. We're down on the track. We're living in the present time. We're down on the track and all of these people are watching from heaven. That is, there's not one single verse that says anybody is watching from heaven. What does this mean? When he says, wherefore, seeing we have such a great cloud of witnesses, referring to all of the Old Testament saints there. What is he saying? The word witness there, it means, it means a, an eyewitness or it's not saying that they are watching us or they are witnessing what we are doing but they are a witness to what God can do. Do y'all hear me? They are a witness to what God can do. Now, here's what I want you to see. Look in this, look in this verse, look on your, on on your second page here. Look at Romans 15, four, Romans 15, four. Are y'all there? Say amen. amen. Romans 15, four for whatsoever things were written aforetime. That means back then. Now, keep in mind, when Romans was being written, they didn't have a complete New Testament. The scriptures they had was all of the Old Testament. So what he's referring to here is the Old Testament, the things that were written aforetime, the Old Testament. They were written for our learning. Come on, everybody. They were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. They were given to us. That we might have hope. Patience means what? Endurance. Come on, everybody. Patience means endurance. In other words, we are to read the Old Testament because it will give us some 
endurance. Amen. You're catching up. You're a little slow, but you're catching. Comfort means what? Encouragement. So what does that mean? If we will go to the Old Testament, we will find some endurance and get some encouragement. Now, how many of you have run this race long enough? You've been in the Christian life long enough that you could use some more endurance and a whole lot more encouragement. Where are we going to find that? The Old Testament. Through these great cloud of witnesses. They are there to witness to what God can do. Look at this. Look at this. What, what I just I just picked out just a couple verses. I picked out just a couple verses out of Hebrews chapter 11. I'd, I'd encourage you to go read the whole chapter. But watch what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. What shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David also and Samuel and the prophets who through faith, say it with me, who through faith subdued kingdoms and wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire and escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Preacher, what are you saying? Our inspiration to keep running, our inspiration, uh, uh, listen, to not quit, our inspiration to stay in the fight, our inspiration to not throw in the towel is all of the past evidence that we see that God can bring you through. Are y'all with me? All the past evidence, everything we read, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. You're getting weary. You're getting faint in your journey. Listen, there's problems in your life. There's giant problems in your life. Well, guess what? Through the Old Testament, is everybody paying attention? Right here, this is good stuff right here. I promise you're going to like this. Through the Old Testament, you get to sit down and have a talk with Brother David. It's like this. You're sitting there, Brother David, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Brother David, let me tell you, I'm getting weary in my journey. I'm getting weary in my race. You see, I've got some giant problems in my life. Brother David will say, is that right? Man, I tell you what, there was a time in my, boy, I got God bumps on my neck a hog about it. Amen. There was a time in my life when I faced a giant myself. I was down in a valley all by myself. There was an army on the left and there was an army on the right. And it was me and that giant. And let me tell you what God done for me. I came and I faced that giant head on and God killed that giant for me. It wasn't my ability. It wasn't my strength. It wasn't my sling and it wasn't even my rock, but God was in that valley with me. And honey, if God did it for me, hey, he'll do it for you. How many of y'all have ever had any giant problems? Well, if God slayed David's giant, God will slay your giant. Oh, but preacher. Oh, but preacher, you just don't understand. You just don't understand. I've been going through the fire. I've been going through the fire. Well, oh, let's go talk to Brother Shadrach, Brother Meshach, and Brother Bendigo. If you sit down and say, fellas, I'm telling you, I'm getting tired in my race. I'm getting weary because I've been going through the fire. Everywhere I turn, I've been going through the fire. You know what they'll say? Is that right? I tell you what, well, sit down and minute. Let me tell you what God did for us. We were threatened and we were persecuted and they threw us in a fiery furnace, but there was somebody in the furnace before we ever got there. Somebody say amen. And the only thing the only thing that burned up on us was the ropes that had us bound. It was the Lord Jesus. Before I ever went in the fire, he was there. When I come back out, he was still there. You know why he's still there? Because you might get there and he'll be there for you too. Hallelujah. Take that devil. I'm sorry. I'm motivated today. I've done got encouraged and I've done, listen, I've done got a little endurance because I've sat down and talked with some of those cloud of witnesses. Their strength, they were made strong in their weakness. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life I got weak and I said, God, I can't do this no more. 
God, I need some help. And you know what he did? Oh, he gave me strength. He gave me endurance and he gave me help just like he did them Old Testament saints. Oh, but preacher, you know, I just feel like I just feel like I'm surrounded by lions. Oh, let's go talk to Brother Daniel. Brother Daniel, Brother Daniel. Seems like when I go to work, I'm, I'm just surrounded by just violence and ferocious. They're just out to get me. He said, oh, let me tell you. There was a time in my life they told me not to pray. They told me not to pray and not to worship anything but that old crazy king. And they threw me in a den of lions. Not a lion's den. A lion's den can be empty, but a den of lions has got lions in it. Boy, I just slept like a baby all night long. It's amazing if you'll read that story. If you'll read that story, he slept all night. And that old sorry king, he couldn't sleep a wink. He tossed and turned all night. He said, oh, Daniel. Oh, Daniel. Daniel. (sighs) Old king lived forever. Everything's all right. God has shut the mouths of these lions. I know what you're thinking. They wasn't hungry. I know what you're thinking. Y'all, y'all pessimists. Y'all just so negative. Well, they just wasn't hungry. Is that right? As soon as they took Daniel out, all them stupid princes that come up with this cockamamie scheme, they threw them in there and they tore them to shreds. You know how I know that? I went and talked to the witnesses. Oh, do you have a problem? Do you have an issue? Are you going through the fire? Through faith. Hang in there. You're going to be all right. You know how I know that? Because I got some witnesses. I got some folks that's been where you are. I've got some folks that's experienced what you've gone through. Have you been betrayed? Have you been walked out of? Somebody walked out of your life? Has somebody done you wrong? I got, I got hope because there's some people that says, hey, it's all right. I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. They'll say, hey, me too. But let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you what God did. He said, wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Listen, look at the past evidence. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to look at the past evidence. <laughs> oh, y'all are so spirit. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. I wish you could feel what I'm feeling right now. If God did it for he can do it for, and all God's people say it. Past evidence. And that's not even the good one. That's a great one. But here's an even better one. I'm glad that we can look at David and see what happened. I'm, I'm glad we can look at the three Hebrew children who were tossed into the fiery furnace and see what God did. I'm glad we can look at Daniel and I'm glad we can look at Abraham and I, I'm, I'm glad, hey, I'm glad we can look at Elisha when Elisha, that servant seen the enemy in front of him said, oh, what are we going to do? And Elisha walks out and said, God opened his eyes. God opened his eyes and there was chariots of horses, fiery angels surrounding them. Listen, everything's going to be all right. Thank you, Lord, for the past evidence of what you can do. But listen, look at number two or B or Whatever alphabet number I got. What is it? What is it? B. Yes, B. A, the past evidence. B, the powerful example. Now, let me say this. Let me say this. The word author there, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The word author there, growing up, growing up, I always always, uh, pictured this meaning... He's the one that instigated our faith. He's the one to come up with this idea. You know, he's the author. He's the one where this all started, originated. But that's not what this word means in the context of this chapter. The word, the word author 
is the word archegos, which means a chief. It's in your notes, people. You ready? A chief leader, a chief leader. Now, some scholars believe some scholars believe that that when he says, let us lay aside the weight and the come on and the Sin. sin, the sin was unbelief. Because of the context of what they are dealing with in chapter number 11, and actually the whole book of Hebrews is people struggling with their faith, struggling with belief, struggling with their confidence in God. And and some believe that this sin was unbelief. It was a lack of confidence and faith in God. And and when he says looking unto Jesus, he, he is the chief leader. He is the chief leader. In other words, you can look at all these witnesses and their faith. It was faith that brought them through the fiery furnace. It was faith in God that brought them through the lions, the den of lions. It was faith in God that gave David the ability to kill a giant. Are y'all with me so far? And we see great faith in Abraham, great faith in Isaac, great faith in Jacob. It's the faith hall of fame for God's sake. Say amen. The whole chapter. But now he's saying, but even with all of that evidence, the greatest example of faith is Jesus. He's the leader. He is the example of faith that we need to be looking to and to follow and let him be the one that we copy. Do y'all see this? Does this make sense? I know what you're thinking. I know what you, well, he, if he's our example, we're not Jesus. We're not Jesus. So how is, how is he going to be our example? See, there's, there's a little thing that a lot of people don't understand and know about Jesus. They should, but they don't. Jesus was a man. Did y'all hear me? Man, M-A-N, human. It's a, it's, a, it's a miracle. God became flesh. It doesn't just mean he, he, he got a human body. It means he was human. It means he got hungry. It means he got tired. It means there were times he got frustrated. There were times his soul was exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death in the garden. Remember? Now watch. I want, you, I want to skip down to the bottom of your notes. I want to read this before we go into this because this, this will help this make so much more sense. Look at the very last paragraph in your notes all the way to the bottom. <clears throat> read that first sentence with me. Jesus is the epitome of faith. Say it again. All right, everybody, even if you're at home in the living room, you read it, you read it there. Uh, uh, Well, maybe you don't have the notes, but if you are at uh, Fairview, you've got it. So let's read this. You ready? Jesus is the epitome of faith. Say it again. Jesus is the epitome of faith. Now watch, now watch. Nothing we will ever be called to endure can ever come anywhere near what he endured. That's why verse four is in chapter, chapter number 12. He says, ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. He's talking to these believers. In other words, you've not died to conquer sin. You've not experienced everything to the detail what Jesus has. You'll never go through the torture. You'll never go through the suffering. You'll never go through as much as Jesus did. If that makes sense, say amen. Can we all say amen? We agree with that. No one will ever be called to endure what Jesus had to endure while he was here on this earth. He is, now now stay with me now, this is so important. If we'll get this, it'll help us. He is the divine son of God. But, but, while on earth, he did not live in his own power and will, but in his father's. Otherwise, he could not be our example. And unless by the Holy Spirit, we are truly able to live in the same way in which he lived, 
His life would not be an example, but an impossible ideal to mock and to judge us. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Jesus is your example of faith. Jesus is your example of faith. You ever wonder why? You ever wonder why when they were in the temptation in the wilderness and Satan came to tempt him? Why didn't Jesus just pinch his head off? You ever wonder about that? Y'all don't have a good imagination. I always wondered that. I mean, Jesus has already kicked him out of heaven. When he tried to rebel, he's got all power. Why didn't he just said, I would have. You know why he didn't do that? You know why he didn't do that? Everybody looking? Everybody looking? You know why he didn't do that? Because you couldn't. You know why he didn't pinch the devil's head off? Because you couldn't. You didn't, you, you know why he didn't take his finger and flip him off the planet? Say, get out of my face. Because you couldn't. But you know what you can do? You can open a Bible. And when the devil tempts you, you can say, it is written. Y'all, 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 y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Jesus is the epitome of faith. He is our greatest example because he, when he left heaven, now now stay with me now, stay with me. When he left heaven, he set aside his supernatural power. He on purpose limited himself. He did not use his supernatural power outside of when when the father said he could. So he had to live by faith, trusting his father. He could have at any moment, he could have at any moment made a loaf of bread to eat in the wilderness. But his father wouldn't let him. So how do you know that? Well, I I, I reckon he can. He took one last lunch and fed thousands. You know why? Because his father said, do that. You remember in the, in the, in the word, Jesus said, I always do the things that please my father. He never one single time acted independently on his own outside of the direction and will of his father. So he had to be hungry. 40 days. I dieted a little this week and it wasn't a complete fast neither. And brother Jesus went 40 days. Can you imagine what it took to do that when knowing you could snap your finger and have filet mignon right there beside you? But see, he had faith. Now watch this. Now let's finish this outline. See, this brings a whole, a whole new dimension of Jesus for you. He was the chief leader of faith. What does it say? What does it say? When you get weary, it says verse two. What's the first word? Come on, everybody. What's the first word? Verse two. Everybody say it. Looking means to focus, to think about, to ponder. Look at the powerful example. First of all, number one, I want you to see his pattern of faith. His pattern of faith. You see, he had to trust his father in the wilderness temptation. Get thee behind me, Satan. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written... Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. It is written, thou shalt worship God and serve him alone. Have no other God. It is written. He was being tempted over and over and over again, but he knew and trusted that his father would bring him through. 
How many of y'all have ever been tempted? Raise your hand. Well, guess what? Look to Jesus. Did Jesus come through with flying colors? Then look to him. If Jesus can trust his father, you can too. We see his pattern of faith. He trusted his father in the temptation, in the wilderness. He trusted his father in the garden. Y'all with me? He came to him in his humanity. He's crying. He's, he's praying so hard. He said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. And his prayer is so intense that he begins to sweat. And his, his prayer is even more intense than his sweat. His, his capillaries begin to burst in his pores. And his sweat became his blood. He was under such pressure and agony. But he said, oh, Father. If it be why I will, let this cup pass for me, but not my will. Help me. Thy will be done. You know what he's saying by that? I don't want this. I don't like this. But daddy, I trust you. Jesus is the epitome of faith. He's the lead example of faith. And even when you feel like you just don't know what to do and you can't take it anymore, you can do what Proverbs says and trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him. Oh, trust him. He trusted his father in the temptation and his father met him and sent an angel to minister to him. He met, listen, he trusted his father in the garden. He trusted his father on Calvary. This is going to be a verse many of y'all don't even put together. Do you know in the Psalms, there is a messianic prophetic Psalm concerning Jesus and going in the grave. Do you know what it says? He will not leave my soul in hell. And you know what it's in reference to? It's in reference to Jesus and the father. Jesus was on the cross dying. But as it prophetically we find in the book of Psalms, he trusted that his father would bring him back again. He's not going to leave my soul. You see, he had to trust him in the wilderness. He had to trust him in the garden. He had to trust him on the cross. And by the way, he could trust him. What happened the third day? You know what that tells Oh, I got to stay in the camera. <clears throat> you know what that tells me, Everybody. Your heavenly father is trustworthy. When you're getting tired and you're getting weary and you feel like you can't go on, you can trust him. (laughs) Oh, I hope you're getting this. Look at, he's a prime example. He's the epitome. He's, He's our chief leader in examples. Look at his... His, his pattern of faith. Then look at, look at number two, look at his focus. I don't know which word I left out for you guys. His pattern of focus, who for the joy set before him. I always thought, and it, and it, and it probably has a lot to do with it. Oh, that joy was seeing when Malcolm one day down the road was going to get saved. That's what kept Jesus on the cross. Ah. I don't think that's it. I think, I think it helped, but I, I don't think that's it. Because the Bible says here, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. In other words, this is what he focused on. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Here's the joy, guys. Here's the joy. And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That is what he was looking to. Jesus says in John four thirty four, 
Jesus said unto him, my meat, what fulfills me, what completes me, what satisfies me is to do the will of him that sent me. Read it with me. And to John six thirty eight. for I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Y'all seeing a pattern here? My fulfillment, my, my satisfaction, my joy, my happiness is to finish his work. I didn't come to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. John 8, 28. Then said Jesus unto them, when ye have lifted up the son of man, then shall ye know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. But as my father hath taught me, I speak these things. You see that? That's even proof that he was all human. He never took an initiative to use his own power. He only did what the father would allow him to do. But as my father has taught me, I speak these things and he that sent me is with me. Hallelujah. If he's our prime example, guys, if God puts you in the race, he'll be with you in the race. He that sent me is with me. The father hath not left me alone. Hallelujah. For I do always those things that what? Please him. John 17, four. I have glorified thee on earth. Say it with me. I have finished the work which thou gavest me. And now, O Father, (laughs) glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. That, my friend, was the joy set before him. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Jesus could see the finish line. Jesus could see the checkered flag. Jesus could see the ribbon across the road. He said, I finished. I completed Listen, if he is our prime example, then your focus needs to be on finishing. On finishing. Your focus needs to be on pleasing the one that put you in the race. Your focus needs, your your drive, the motivation you have is to be able to say on the other side of the finish line, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. As Paul said to brother Timothy, Paul had joy because he said, I finished. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody look at me. I'm almost done. I got two minutes. Kind of. Everybody look at me. Everybody raise your hand so I get some blood flowing. So I know you're awake. Everybody look at me. Everybody wave your hand, wave your hand, put your hands in the air like you just don't care. All right, y'all with me? All right. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Rich, I didn't do very good in the start. That's okay. Just keep running. For the joy that was set before me. Brother Luke is sitting over there. I mean, a real brother Luke. <clears throat> I'm not talking about Bible now. I'm talking about a real brother Luke. <laughs> hey, all y'all thought I was talking about the Gospels, didn't you? No, brother Luke. He's a marathon runner. He's a marathon runner. He is my inspiration. One day, I'm going to watch him run a marathon. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I know what y'all was thinking. Wrong. I would love to. But I imagine there's times in that race where you get. But you just got to keep on. And keep in your mind that one of them corners you go around, you're going to see the finish line. 
And when you cross that finish line, the joy, the joy. Paul said it this way. And by the way, all you Yankees proper talking people in here. I've got evidence that the apostle Paul was redneck. He said, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time. Now, there is not one single, not one single proper talking Yankees ever use the word reckon. Or y'all, amen. I don't know if Paul used y'all, but he did use reckon. I got evidence. King James Bible. He said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time cannot even be compared with the glory. The glory. You know what he's saying? Not one single tear you shed, not one single anguish you go through, not one single problem you face, not one single mountain you climb, not one single giant you fight will even be worthy to be compared to what it's going to be like when you cross the finish line. When you can say, I fought a good fight. When you can say, I finished my course. That even sounds good. Say it with me. I've finished. Say it again. I've Have you ever wondered why in all those ESPN clips and all those, those videos of Racers that stumbled and fell. Race is already over. The race is already over. They've done, they've done, the race is done. But do you know what? The majority of the times that I've always seen, you know what they do? Come on. They get up and finish. Preacher, I'm so far behind. I don't care. It's okay. You may be like the ones limping and bleeding and stumbling. But you're going to finish. Satan may have kicked you in the teeth throughout most of your race. That's okay. Preacher, you don't know how I stumbled and fell. I'm bleeding all over. Get back up. Let's finish. Look at the joy that was set before it. The joy to be able to say, I have finished. Do you know what the last words Jesus said? It is finished. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. (laughs) Oh, if I was Pentecostal, I'd run around this building right now. One day, we're going to be able to cross that line and say it's done. But we ain't there yet. So you got to keep running. Listen, not only his pattern of faith, his pattern of focus, he's focused on finishing. He focused on the finish line. I do always the things that please my father because when I finish, I'm going to be sitting on the right hand of the throne of God. Then his pattern of fortitude. 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 Grit. Grit. Guts. Y'all with me? Stick them. Anybody anybody else got an adjective? Guts. Grit. Stick them. Fortitude. Tough it out. Walk it off. How many of y'all have ever had a parent tell you walk it off? Tore ACL, MCL, everything, leg flopping. Walk it off. Shake it off, boy. Shake it off. <laughs> I died once and dad said, shake it off, boy. Shake it off. 
going to be all right. Y'all with me? You know what I learned sometimes about the Christian race? There, there's, there's no magic word. There's no magic wand. There's no magic phrase. There's no... Sometimes, I know you're not going to like this, but I'm done right here. I'm done. Sometimes you just got to suck it up. Sometimes you just got to be tough. Paul told Timothy, suck it up, son. You're not on the playground. This is not a sandbox. You're in a war. He said, be strong. Be strong like a good soldier. Basically, he's telling them, suck it up. When my grandmother died, the same grandmother that got saved, my mom's mom, same one that I messed everything up, she got saved. Y'all know, remember, she comes forward and said, what do you want? Or she come forward to get saved, and I looked down and said, what do you want? (laughs) That same grandmother. When she passed away, they wanted me to do her funeral. I was in my early 20s. It was before I ever came here. 21, 22, I don't know. This is my grandma. I mean, we are tight, too. Really tight. And I walk up to the platform. My, my mom's family's sitting right here on this side. My Aunt Jan, Brother John, my Aunt Jan was sitting right about where y'all are. Y'all have heard me talk about my Aunt Jan? She's a commercial cat fisherman in Lake Okeechobee. She's about 6'2". Skinny as a rail, but will whip any man in this building right now. <laughs> in her 70s, I wouldn't try her. Drive a boat better than any man alive. She's sitting right there. And I walk up to do the funeral. I start blubbering like a baby. I can't even, I've got my, I can't even see my Bible. I'm just, you know, I'm just crying. I'm just tore up. I'm just so sensitive. You know, you'd think my Aunt Jen would be kind-hearted and sensitive in this sad moment. But do you know what she did? Right in the middle. Right there. I mean, I'm tore all out the frame. I'm crying. And my Aunt Jen says, buck up, boy. That was her exact words. Y'all know what I did? In that moment, I didn't need no petting. I didn't need no babying. I didn't need somebody to feel sorry for me. I didn't need a hug. I needed somebody to say, hey, let's go. Some of y'all don't need no more petting and you don't need no more hugs and you don't need no more baby and you need to get the the pacifier out of your mouth and suck it up and let's get back to running. And all of God's people say it. 